Good morning, Catherine. How are you doing today? Good morning. So nice to meet you. Oh, I wish I would have had this book in all my years of broadcasting because, you know, you tell the tale of what it's really like to be on that stage and the journeys that's required for those that will need it on their future stages. And I, we didn't have this book. And I want to thank you for this book. Well, thank you so much for saying that. Um, I was really hoping that a lot of people would have that opinion because when I started out writing this book, I realized there were a lot of books about women in rock, but not one specifically about feminism and women's experiences um, in the music business and in life in general, but um, mostly focused on their, their careers. And so um, I hope that it would be something that would be helpful and perhaps important for people to read. Yeah, I would love to put this in the hands of a lot of program directors. And the reason why is because I grew up in the age of radio where you didn't play two women back to back. In fact, you had to keep three or four songs in between them. And I never thought that was right. Yeah, there are a couple of women who tell that story in this book, um, but I heard it much more than that. I just chose a couple of them to put in, but that was a recurring theme for sure, and I think that a lot of people don't realize that that was happening and um, the negative impact that it probably had on so many women's careers when they just weren't getting the same airplay as their male peers. Yeah. I'll tell you what, the, I love the idea that you put focus on 20 stories because inside my creative heart and as well as my, my love for great rock music, that means there's going to be a sequel because you can't stop at 20 stories. <laughs> yeah, at the end, I, I was uh, having to turn people down, unfortunately, you know, who wanted to be in the book. And I said, I'm sorry, I just don't have space anymore. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. But I'm glad that I got these 20. I think the ones that I got are uh, a really interesting cross-section of women in rock, um, different uh, subgenres um, from punk to folk yeah. to mainstream and um, very differing opinions on feminism itself even so I, I hope that I captured a really uh, broad spectrum there yeah once again it's you know in the old days we'd go into that bookstore and you would get a book about a girl band like the go-go's and then and that's all that was in there it wasn't compared to other girl bands or anything like that you had to go buy that other book and all of a sudden you've got a bunch of books but this one right here really does centralize on people like gina shock we i didn't know this story and i thought i knew everything about her yeah, Gina is really um, forthcoming. Well, all the women were really forthcoming, but Gina is a very exuberant and candid woman, and, mm -hmm. and I really enjoyed my interview with her very much because, yes, as someone who grew up listening to the Go-Go's, watching them on MTV, it seemed like um, they were having the time of their lives. And so it was really interesting to hear the stories behind the scenes uh, about how, yes, there were good times, but they also encountered um, some really infuriating treatment, too, as they tried to bake break boundaries for women in, in the music business. Yeah, and they stood up and they stood out in an age that was all about Prince and Michael Jackson. And then here comes the, the Go-Go's and you're going, wait a second, this is kind of funky. And it's, it was right there in the center of the birth of MTV. Yeah, and um, she talks about, and other people in the book talk about how that was a, a double-edged sword, right? Um, MTV was great because it raised people's profiles so much, but then also all of a sudden there was this emphasis on image, on mm -hmm, appearance, mm -hmm. on how attractive they were. And it seemed that women were expected to be more attractive than their male peers. Um, you know, they were held to a different standard. And so they talk about that in this book um, a fair amount and, and how that has impacted their careers. And who better to know that than Ann Wilson of Heart? Oh my God, her journey with that image? 
Yeah, yeah. She um, she had one of the more interesting uh, stories in this book in terms of the things that she encountered earlier in her career um, that I think women now don't have to deal with nearly as much. And so I really respect and appreciate that she had the the determination and the drive to succeed to power through some of the really ugly treatment she received mm. um, as a young woman starting off in this business. Oh yeah, because when, when she reappeared in the music world in, in the 1990s, we, we thought that it was over for Hart, but the boy, she, she stood strong with her sister Nancy through all that. Yeah, and she actually has a, a, a thriving solo career now. She's still putting out music now yep. and occasionally still tours with heart. I mean, she's still at it. And so um, she definitely has that fire in her um, to persevere. And so that's the kind of woman that we've needed to make it easier for the rest of us. One of the artists that you that you write about is somebody that a lot of people don't know about. And I wish they would have because the only time that we ever got Susie Quattro was on American Top 40. But there is so much more to Susie Quattro. Yeah, Susie Quattro is an interesting one because she's hugely popular in the UK and across Europe and Australia. She sells out the Royal Albert Hall in London on a regular basis. But in America, she's still not very known. Right. She um, was... Uh, she was a star on the show Happy Days as the character Leather Tuscadero. That's it, that's and it. that's what most people seem to know her for, but not her music. Um, she opened for Alice Cooper on his Welcome to My Nightmare tour, and I think it was 1975. Um, but she never really broke through here as uh, a hit artist the way she has elsewhere. But um, her story was interesting because she really did blaze the way for a lot of female artists um, who thought she was an inspiration, um, such as the woman in The Runaways, and Joan Jett in particular um, borrowed a lot, I think, from Susie Quattro. And so she really was an influence, even if I think mainstream um, audiences never really have found out about her in America. I'm blessed with the opportunity to talk with a lot of up-and-coming rockers, especially from California, and, and, and these women are very much interested in making their own marks. They need to get their hands on this book because it really does serve as an inspiration as well as a roadmap for them to stay strong and stay focused. Yeah, that's my hope, is that a younger artists would pick this up and, first of all, realize the hard work uh, and struggles that the women who've come before them have had to endure um, and realize that they need to you know, continue to maintain uh, the progress that we've made because we could backtrack if we're not careful. Um, and a couple of artists made that point. You know, this is not something that you um, you get to a certain level and then you can kind of stop and say, all right, we've succeeded and we don't have to do anything else. This is an ongoing thing. Um, and so... That's also why I chose to interview some up-and-coming artists um, in this book as well to show how things have changed and how uh, younger artists are approaching feminism now. Yeah. And things have changed in the way that they have the platforms, the social media platforms, whereas somebody like an Anna Nancy Wilson back in those early days, they had to rely on Cream Magazine or Rolling Stone. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's a lot more opportunities for women to present their image in the way that they see fit. And so I think that's a real um, benefit to women who are coming up through the ranks now.
One of the things that I'm, I'm learning is that a lot of these musicians, uh, you know, they go out, they form their bands. They end up in Nashville as songwriters. There's a girl by the name of Abby Kay, who I think is going to be one of the greatest bass guitarists, that she is just unbelievable on that thing. But it's like, how do you get her out of Nashville and get her out there onto a bigger stage, especially when the Internet really is the new Tower Records? Yeah, um, that's the new struggle. It used to be getting attention, and now it's everybody can get attention. Yeah. How do I cut through the clutter? <laughs> But see, that's why this book is so important, because, I mean, you've got a story here on the Indigo Girls that a lot of people don't know that they, you know, what they had to do in order to become something. Yeah. And um, they had an extra layer of difficulty because they were one of the first openly gay yep. um, musical acts. And so they were facing discrimination um, on two fronts. Not only were they you know, female, but they also were um, lesbian artists. And that, you know, was kind of a double whammy. But again, you know, they persevered and they had the talent. And so they overcame that. And now they have one of the most loyal um, supportive audiences I've ever seen. Oh, I was um, I was that jock on the radio that when we they, they would play a little disclaimer before the Indigo Girls and even um, Katy Perry with I Kissed a Girl. We had to play disclaimer. Okay, we're gonna play a song that may you might find offensive, but here we go. But it was like, what are we doing here? Yeah, um, and Amy Ray, who I interviewed for this book um, of the Indigo Girls, she talked a lot about, you know, behind the scenes, the kind of angst and depression that encountering this kind of treatment um, brought up in her. And as a fan um, back in the day, I had no idea that this was going on. Yep. I mean, as far as I could tell, she and... Emily Salyers, her, her bandmate, you know, everything seemed great. And same thing with the Go-Go's. In fact, there were a lot of artists in this book who, on the surface, you know, as a, a fan, it seemed like everything was going wonderfully. Um, but behind the scenes, you know, there were a lot of struggles and um, a lot of unfair treatment that they had to contend with. Did you run into the plastic candy-coated bathroom mirror smile in the way that they knew you were there to get a story, but you could look into their eyes and get a deeper purpose to that story? Because when you've been on the road and you've been through the struggles, it's inside. And it's, and ultimately, it's up to you, Catherine, to get it out. Well, actually, um, I found that these women came to me, all of them, really willing to be wow. very candid and open. It was like they... Um, this topic seemed to really resonate with them. And um, some of them I barely had to even say hello before they were kind of <laughs> off to the races. They had stories they wanted to get out. And uh, and so that was really great as a, as a journalist to not have to pry it out of them because, I mean, I'm sure, as you know, sometimes you encounter interview subjects who come – to the interview very guarded mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. and and you have to it's like pulling teeth getting stories out of them but i didn't encounter that in this particular project at all these women um came to me very open and honest and i'm i'm very grateful for that in fact a couple of them said um you know these are stories that i've never told publicly See, before yeah. and so i felt really honored that they felt comfortable enough with me and uh and respected this project enough to do that. You talk about the interviews. Okay, we're reading about the interviews in the book, She's a Badass, Women in Rock. Uh, do you have the sound? Because if you do, you've got something that's extremely priceless. Yeah, um, I've kept everything that I um, amassed through this just... Um just because that's what I do. Yeah. Uh, um, as a journalist, I'm sure you do the same. Like any any kind of preparation, you just keep forevermore. Um, 
but yeah, I think it might be interesting uh, in the in the years to come to to revisit it and, and just kind of remind myself of oh yeah this happened and this is what they said and sometimes I like to do that and revisit and you know who knows maybe some um, somebody who studies feminism like some professor somewhere would be interested in sorting through all these things because um, as as lengthy as these chapters are you know they're about four thousand words each which is the equivalent of uh, two magazine cover stories. I mean, they're pretty in-depth. I mean, I still couldn't include everything that mm-hmm. I heard from these women. I still had to cut some things. So um, there's still a lot a lot there that could be brought out one day. How powerful was the period of the androgyny? Only because there were a lot of girls that stepped out there, a lot of women in rock, and they came out there with their own voice and face, and they were strong like Annie Lennox. Yeah, um, I think the opinions on that were kind of conflicted in this book. You know, um, on the one hand, it was great that women felt that they could express themselves, even if it wasn't in an overtly feminine way, uh, you know, to have the freedom to do that. But on the other hand, there was also concern that maybe some women felt the need to do that um, to make themselves more palatable to audiences because they weren't so feminine. Um, you know, to make themselves more masculine at that point seemed to be a way to, to appeal more to a wider audience, mm-hmm. in some people's opinion. Mm-hmm. So um, there are really two ways of looking at that, I think, that people brought up. Who is Bonnie Bloomgarden? Because there's going to be some readers and some listeners that are going to hear that name. And they're going to go, I-, I don't know. Who? I don't know. Yeah, there are a couple of artists in here that I included because I think they're really noteworthy up-and-coming artists, and she's one of them. She's the singer for a band called Death Valley Girls. Um, I I included her, and I included um, Sade Sanchez of L.A. Witch and Fifi Dobson, um, artists like that, who rock fans may not be familiar with, because I wanted to show here are some younger artists who are up-and-coming mm-hmm. um, who are kind of carrying... Uh, feminism into the you know the next generation and, and here's what feminism looks like now to that generation um, you might have noticed that I ordered the book from oldest to youngest Susie Quattro and Anne yeah. Wilson to start and then Bonnie Bloomgarden and and, and um, Sade Sanchez and people like that at the end because I wanted to show how things have changed over the generations and uh, and I hope that people might be inspired to um, look up these artists that they are not familiar with and maybe find some some music to like there. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, sure enough, that's exactly what I did with 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 Bonnie was the fact that it's like, okay, I don't know this name, but I'm gonna go to, I'm gonna go to YouTube, I'm gonna go to Google, I'm gonna figure out what's going on. But then it's like, okay, but if I go on there and I make it sound like that I know Bonnie, then Catherine's gonna say, you don't know Bonnie, I know Bonnie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I don't know. I mean, like I you know, as a as a music journalist who interviewed about two thirds of these artists before this book, I mean, that's how I got them for yeah. this book, is I could circle back and say like, I talked to you before. Will you talk to me again? for this um and then once they signed on the the rest of the people were willing to do it um you know there probably will be at least a few people in this book that uh, the average person has not heard of and um so i i really do hope that it inspires people to to look some some women up and maybe um become a fan of their work absolutely what did you learn because going into this project you're you're a student that's the reason why you came up with the questions yeah, I, I have to say I was really surprised um, uh, that there was um, a subset of women who did not want to be labeled as feminist at mm. all. 
I guess I thought when I started this book um, that anyone agreeing to do this project would be um, very supportive of being called a feminist, and that was not the case. And it's not that these women don't want female equality. It's that they disagree with the way the feminist movements have progressed. Um, they disagree with the methods that these movements have employed. Um, and so it was really interesting to hear uh, their takes on that. And I think in the end, it made it a much more well-rounded book because I thought uh, there must be um, a lot of women out there who maybe feel the same, who want to get equal pay for equal work and such, but maybe don't agree with some of the the feminist movement um, methods. So I hope that people reading this book will find at least one woman in it who expresses viewpoints that are similar to their own. Do we see Taylor Swift as being one of these feminists? I mean, look at what she's done in the past year. Yeah, um, she's more of a pop artist, so I, well, I mean, she started off as country and then pop, so I did not include her in this book um, because I was trying to keep it uh, focused on rock because I do feel that out of all the genres, it's still um, perhaps the most unequal in terms of female equality. Um, But yes, I would say that Taylor Swift has been a feminist. Um, She... Um, definitely seems to have a, a healthy message of um, empowerment for young women. And I really liked it when she um, has publicly treated her road crew so well. You may remember mm-hmm. um, a few months back how when she finished her tour, she gave all every single person on her road crew from the guitar tech on down to the caterer a significant uh, bonus check as a thank you and I thought that was really classy yeah. so I think that she uh, comports herself really well and if I had a teenage daughter or a preteen I would be happy for them to have her as a role model absolutely you know you still bring up that one point about how even today that there's a lot of women that aren't making it on the rock radio stations and, and I, I have to agree with you because I listen to a new rock station I'm not hearing the girls and it's like well what can yeah, fans do yeah well um I guess you can call up the stations and and request more, um, you know, just make it clear that this is something that people want. And I'm not sure why rock lags behind other genres. I mean, even country music, pop music, hip hop, these other genres are are much more ahead in terms of having equal numbers of female and male um, artists. Um, represented. So I'm not really sure why that is uh, with rock music still. Well, this book is going to create a movement then. Okay, Catherine? <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. That was one of the reasons why I why I wrote it. And I do want to make the point that, you know, the women in this book were um, very careful to bring up stories of men who have helped them. I mean, this is not a male bashing book yeah. in any means. Um, this is a, a book about women talking about times when they were treated badly by certain men and how that has been unfair. But I think the message is overall um, hopeful. It's a hopeful one. Yeah. Please come back to the show anytime in the future. The door is always going to be open for you. Thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure. I appreciate it. You'd be brilliant today, okay? Thank you.